some nudity but not oh. when Megan was there so I'm going to share my Ryan Gosling story have you got a Ryan Gosling story no I wish I had a Ryan wait a minute story. have you Rachel Gardner let me ask you mm-hmm. you often mix in the green rooms of the rich and famous <laughs> in Skegness Minehead oh. and other key cities yes right do you have any stories about you meeting famous uh, actors or actresses I, I no I haven't actually from a distance no actually no okay right this is my story and it's not particularly super famous but it involves Daniel Beddingfield can I share it Daniel Beddingfield of we've got to get through this fame <laughs> we got to get through this so basically I was at an event and Daniel was there and oh Daniel he, uh, Daniel, 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 Daniel Beddingfield. Beddingfield now and because he was there people at this event wanted to pray for him which is really great and I was there with my best friend Katie and we were like, we are going to be super cool. It's, it was about 10 years ago. Daniel Beddingfield is here, but we managed to get ourselves up really close, Daniel, because what happens in charismatic services when you pray for people, you are legitimately allowed to lay on your hands. Okay. So both me and Kate were there. Is this a spiritual abuse story? No, it's not. We were there. Like, we weren't probably touching him properly. We were just getting quite close to pray for him. And then, like, there was all this prayer for Daniel. And let's, let's, let's pray for our celebrities. But suddenly it went quiet. And in that very moment, Katie, for some reason, just looked at me and said, went and said he's wearing MS boxers. And she said, We <laughs> in the silence. And I just remember like the looks of just horrible. So Daniel Beddingfield, if you obviously do listen to this podcast, I'm so sorry that that was outed for you, that yeah. awful moment. But But hey, Rachel Gunner still thinks you're famous. <laughs> and I don't have any famous. So stories. so you know, you, you pro- that's probably oh. made your day, Daniel. Well, talking about music. Go on then. We're talking about music in this podcast today, yes, aren't we? we? Are, yeah, it's good our link. theme, which good I think link. is a terrible idea. Have you got a good Spotify playlist going on? I listen mainly to movie soundtracks, oh, yeah, and do, don't you? for reasons I will tell you in another podcast. Yes. Uh, I, I listen mainly to John Coltrane. <laughs> um, but that's that's the that's a different story. Oh, so we have basically in the car when we go anywhere as a family, we have. Um, my daughter's playlist, and it is a mixture of a Lego theme, Lego movie theme tune, um, Angry Birds, all the latest Disney. So I do feel my life is Disney'd out. But on the rare occasions, he he just puts Chuck E. down really quietly. I'm slightly quiet. <laughs> Why did you it? do that? I guess it was fun. 
I was being professional. I was putting the cup of tea down quietly so that it wouldn't make a noise. Fine. But there I, we go. I have to say that I I zone in and out of music and I do love music, but um, I just couldn't find anything. Where are you going? You're going to finish it. We're not editing this out. We had the whole, we had the whole tea routine. This is going to win awards, this segment. Oh. Music and young people. Yeah, I think we're on to something. Yeah, but you, but you were telling us what you listen to between Disney playlists, and the uh, world needs to know what Rachel Gardner kicks her shoes off on <laughs> on the on the evening. Well, shut up and dance with me. I love that kind of song. I'm quite a rock chick. Okay, rock, that didn't like sound like rock. <laughs> that didn't sound like rock at Please, all. Please, Martin, I'm holding your arm now. Okay. Please. All right. Step in. All right. So, um, so you had a chat with Matt Cotty, who's yes, the oh, that's where we're going. head yes. of popular music yes. at Nexus. Yes. What is Nexus? Nexus is, is a brilliant, uh, it's, I thought it was an organisation, but actually it's an academic degree. So they run masters and degrees and training courses for any Christian who really wants to engage in the arts and engage critically as a Christian. And it's high quality stuff. Yeah. I, I years ago thought, oh, they just do a little bit of dabbling on the side and sort of help Christians do this nicely. But actually they are incredibly serious about making sure that Christian artists are provided with the resources to create excellence in their field, mm. um, both theologically and in terms of their art. So I went up and met them and did some training with their third year students. And met and the, 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 what was so lovely was the lecture before I spoke was them listening to, to movie music. Oh. That was their lecture. And they had to be talking about kind of how you'd engage with this from a gospel perspective and what are the moods. And it was just brilliant. I thought, oh, I like this. I like this very much. And I think you'd have sat there and you'd, got all, you'd have got all the tunes right. Have enjoyed they really, that. You'd have enjoyed that. Is way. Nexus also a shadowy organisation in a James Bond movie? No, but it might be. So did they? Do they meet in an underground lair? Oh, I'd love that. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Do they so have I a massive <laughs> missile silo that opens up? No, they oh. don't. They do not have that. That's a shame. And I popped up to meet them, and actually, as I was there, I suddenly thought we need to do a podcast with these guys because actually, I am not, as you know, dear listener, you can tell I don't have a wide kind of knowledge of what? music. Oh, Come on, Disney princess. <laughs> I don't understand it. But I work with young people who, who their world is about music. And actually so many of the messages that we are seeking to kind of challenge in youth culture or reinforce, it's delivered through music, isn't it? That, that way of communicating with young people is yeah. so like immersive. It's so powerful. And also about worship as well, isn't it? Why is it that on our youth weekends away or you go to Soul Survivor or Taze, music is a massive part of that. Well, it's because mm. it's the language mm. of the soul, isn't it? The language of the heart. So I asked Matt a little bit about his musical tastes, how he connects with music, and what can we learn about worship. The Youthscape Podcast. So I'm here at Nexus Institute of Creative Arts with Matt Cossey. It's very good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Today. And I've suddenly grabbed you and said, can I have a quick little interview for our podcast? So yeah. it's very good of you. No problem. Um, Matt, can you introduce to yourself to listeners, what is it that you do here? Yep, uh, I'm the head of popular music at Nexus, ICA. Sounds very grand. It's a great job. I oversee all of the music, what we call pathways. So drums, keys, guitar, voice, bass, sound. Um, I also arrange our shows and our performances and guest um, performances and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a great yeah. job. And people can come and study here and actually get a degree, can't they? In yeah, yeah. we now offer a BA Honours degree in popular music and worship. That's incredible. Is that the first of its kind in the country? It is. It, it's very unique, yeah. giving people the opportunity to study 
music at a really high level. Yeah. Um, but on a grounding of what it means to be a worshipper and a disciple. That's amazing. And then in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you a little bit about sort of worship culture and mm. how that connects with youth ministry and youth culture. But I, yeah. I wanted to start because I feel like I'm sat in the presence of somebody that's got a really good critical analysis of <laughs> popular culture in general, particularly popular music. Um, so I'm... Maybe. I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. more than me, absolutely yeah. more than me. So when you, when you sort of listen to what's coming out in terms mm-hmm. of youth music, music for young people and youth culture, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the trends, some of the themes and the messages? Because I'm just thinking now, I can think of Robin Feek's Blurred Lines and <laughs> in my line of work, I'm like, oh, I hate that kind of stuff that really <laughs> kind of glorifies violence against women and kind of a, yeah. um, a very low view of sex and sexuality. But as mm-hmm. you look at music, what are, you, what are some of the trends that you're seeing? Yeah, well, I suppose I mean, a trend is, I think, Within the charts, you have a lot of music which is undeniably marketed towards the youth. Mm. Um, and so you've got lots of people listening to different artists, but themes within that would almost always, you know, 80, 90% of the songs that go out there are about relationships mm. and sex one way or another. Mm. Often a real distortion of what love is. Um, it's all about breaking up and making up and all of this kind of, yeah. all of, this kind of stuff. Um, and I, I find it really interesting that we have music marketed towards young people, mm. often arguably really catchy, great, well-produced music, yeah, stuff that tunes, people yeah. can't get out of their heads. Yeah. And it can be catchy, it can be uplifting, it can be feel-good, but then you look at the lyrical content and you look at what that's actually speaking over our youth, mm. and and it's just... it's. It's terrible <laughs> in so many ways. I think there's a real disconnect between the sound of a track, mm. the music, and then the lyrical content. Um, and, and why, from your experience of music production and the rest of it, I mean, mm. a real pleb like me, I wouldn't really know what goes into the whole business of writing yeah. a song and making it. And I'm, I know enough to know that probably the artists are not always writing their own lyrics. Mm-hmm. But, but why does it end up being, as you say, the lyrics can be quite dark, quite cynical mm-hmm. um, about love or about commitment or faithfulness or people in general, and yet the music can be quite, as you say, catchy. What, is that a deliberate ploy? Is that just the way people aren't really thinking reflectively about lyrics anymore? Or? Yeah, I, a bit of both, I suppose. I mean, I think definitely, obviously, music is marketed to be to be catchy, and um, people want to be able to sing it and dance to it. Um, but then, pop music has always represented themes within youth culture and relationships and things like that are a massive part of youth culture. But you you just you cannot take your uh, you cannot take the popular uh, music that's out there at the moment as the gospel on how to mm. conduct yourself mm. in a relationship it's uh, uh, a couple of examples spring to mind um i must say guilty pleasure of mine <sighs> i actually quite enjoy little mix ah! uh, <laughs> and what i mean by that is when when the music comes on it's, it's catchy, catchy. It's i can't get it out of my head yeah. now you know, I don't do you want to sing something to us, Matt? Or not? You don't have to. <laughs> Would not you like especially, to? But, okay, that's fine. In but, case you, you know, wanted to. <laughs> uh, their song Black Magic, that always yeah. sticks in my head. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the lyrics of the songs are, are, mm. are, are really atrocious. And the, there's such a distortion of what um, love is um, and, what, um, and how sex should be viewed in the context of loving relationships. Mm. Mm. But then you've got a band like Little Mix who are very deliberately marketed towards mm. young girls. Mm. Um, 
and very commodified the way that often girl bands are, aren't they? Boy bands very, are yeah, so. very much so. Mm. Um, and then another good example of this disconnect that seems to be between music and the message takes something like Marry You by Bruno Mars. Mm. A song that most people, when, when they hear it, go, oh, yes. Oh, you're not going to wreck it for me, are you? Feel, no, oh, no. feel good, <laughs> feel good, catchy yeah, song. Yeah. Um, some people go, oh, it's, it's called Marry You. It's, you know, it's, it's about relationships and it's all good. But it's a hilarious song in a terrible way when you look at the lyrics because the message is um, explicitly in the lyrics we're, we're going out, we've got money in our pocket so we can get trashed, mm. <laughs> we can do shots, we can do something dumb. That's mm. actually the lyrics. Let's do something dumb, let's get married. And if we wake up in the morning and we want to break up, no problem. Mm. And that is actually the message of the song, mm. um, which obviously completely undervalues marriage. And, mm. and we've actually been asked to play it at peop as people's first dance before. Because I suppose people... Because it's a song and the tune. Yes, you know, it's Bruno catchy, Mars, it's kind of yeah. fun, it's Bruno Mars, yeah. we like Bruno Mars. But then it's really interesting. So I think for us here at Nexus, we really want to inspire a generation of people writing music, mm. writing worship songs, writing any kind of song that has music and lyrics which are fused together. They back each other up. Mm. Because music from scripture accompanies the sound of a people that accompanies worship it accompanies mm. the voice of god it accompanies prophecy mm. the purpose of it is actually to communicate something that carries the heart of god whereas it's be it's become just arguably just a form of entertainment mm. and a form of uh, it's a marketable commodity mm. that can mm. be sold so how so here at nexus you're you're trained they're, they are young adults they themselves mm. are um just really engaged really engaging i've just done a lecture with them they're just amazing students um but people listening to this podcast are also sort of engaging with young people and mm -hmm. youth culture. And, and one of the big wrestles in the church always has been, how do we help the younger generations engage with the culture, the entertainments, arts, music industry? Mm. And there used to be the bad old day, wasn't it, where you became a Christian and then you'd burn all your LPs, burn all your yeah. CDs. And th those days have gone. And yeah, I'm, I'm hearing you mm -hmm. say probably you've swung the other end and there's almost no critical engagement now at all with what's coming out of mainstream pop mm -hmm. culture. How, how do youth workers and ministers, how do we help our young people? Would you, I mean, any top tips of how yeah. we can help our kids critically engage? Yeah, well, it's interesting. We did a lecture on this just recently here. Faith, faith and the content. How do those things, Oh wow. how do they coexist? Um, how do we engage with the music that's around us? Um, so as, as head of popular music, I actually love a lot of the music that's out there and I listen to it. But and that's important to you, do you think, that actually we come at it from a position of actually really valuing what's good, not just critiquing? Yeah, I yeah. certainly wouldn't go down the road of disconnecting myself from everything because I don't think that's the model of Christ. Um, Christ actually put himself in all the positions that most people would say, you should distance yourself from that, mm -hmm. but he didn't. But the thing was, within that, was always his relationship with God and his heart and where he was and what was affecting him. Um, was the thing that he valued and he knew when to take time out he knew when he needed to be alone and when he needed to pray and when he needed to be around certain people um and i think scripture is really clear that we're no longer under the law don't be religious um there aren't hard and fast rules listen to this don't listen to that but scripture calls us to be really aware of what is building us up what is beneficial for us what is good for us what is good for the people around us 
as well. So it's not just a it's not just a selfish an thing. It's thing. an individual thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I would say to anyone listening is that um, if if you're a Christian and you love God, you are free to listen to anything that you want to listen to, but be aware of whether that's impacting you. Be aware mm. of what you're feeding yourself in. Um, and if you recognize that it's starting to impact you and it's starting to impact your relationship with God, at that point, mm. cut it off mm. um, and be totally free to do that. And that's a maturity of discipleship, isn't it? Actually exactly, giving people yeah. tools to go do that. Because I think, my, just to get very personal with that, my husband and I are very different when it comes to music taste. He comes from a kind of a bit of a grunge and grime kind of background. Yeah. He loves his heavy metal and he loves horror films. He loves mm-hmm. them. He's, a, he's yeah. a church leader. He loves his horror films. He loves his stuff around zombies. He'll do seminars at Soul Survivor like Jesus loves zombies. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah. I hate that kind of stuff, actually, mainly because yeah. I know that, that that will very quickly take me to quite a dark place. And yeah. I'll love a whole strand of stuff like probably like the girl bands and stuff around really empowered female identity in songs some mm-hmm. of which I can get fully behind some of which I'm like actually that's quite man-hating mm-hmm. that's actually quite that's that's grabbing a power that isn't ours to grab it isn't men's to grab and it isn't ours to grab so I think you're you're right actually to not have a one-size-fits-all yeah but arming young people with the skills to recognize what what impact is this having on you how is this shaping yeah. what's coming out of you because this is going into you yeah so you also do stuff around worship ministry as well and often as youth mm-hmm. workers we are looking at our young people and thinking how do we raise them up as worshipers and worship leaders mm-hmm. so what does that look like here for nexus what does, yeah. what does a worshiping culture look like great question um and i suppose for us it, a similar thing it comes back to it comes back to your heart and your pursuit of god so the foundation of um, let's say worship leading for example i think a lot of people here music college popular music and worship and sort of assume we're probably some kind of worship leader factory. <laughs> You're going to come out the end, you can play all the songs with a checkered shirt and, you know, the Brilliant. stereotypes yeah, and yeah. that kind of thing. But what we what we are absolutely convinced of from Scripture is that God is looking for a, a heart of people that love him and pursue him. So being a disciple and being a worshipper in your everyday life, in all of your actions, in all of your decisions, your integrity, your pursuit of him, that's the foundation um, and so it's much more character over gift. Mm. And I think it's a, it's a challenge within the church, especially in worship. If you have a really talented musician, it's very easy for that to end up being the thing that qualifies them to play or to lead. Um, whereas I think when you look in scripture, you see people's pursuit of God mm. is the thing um, that, that God uses and partners with. And their skill is built on that. So, and, w- yeah. and would you say that that skill? We often say, don't we, that character is caught, not taught. Mm. But skill, you can actually teach somebody to play. I mean, mm. are you someone that says actually, essentially, everyone can be taught to be a musical person, or is that is that quite innate as well? Well, I think I think people clearly have giftings <laughs> yes. in different areas. Yes. Yeah. The, um, the problem is if someone is naturally gifted, naturally musical. Yes, we often then don't look for the character. Yes, we, we almost get distracted yes, by that. It's yes. like it's so amazing, it's so yeah. obvious, and it's like, but um, but yeah, what what does their what does their life look like? Yeah. Um, you know, what's what's their marriage like, and all of those kind of things. How do they make decisions? How do they worship God? Yeah. Um, every day in the way they yeah. raise their children. 
and setting those expectations early on as well I'm just thinking for us as youth workers and I know I've been in settings where I have so few young people and one of them has a vague interest in in leading worship and I and and then we build quite a a powerful like identity around that and then As a youth worker, thinking actually at the moment this young person needs to not be in that position. There's stuff that needs to be happening in their lives, and I, mm. I need to actually ask them to step down from that for a, a range mm-hmm. of reasons, not to punish them, but to help in their discipleship. But then you do that knowing, well, that means we've got no musicians now. Like <laughs> it's, it's a very pragmatic, yeah. and I think often as disciple makers, we maybe don't don't step, lean into the the tough decisions because yeah. actually it's, it's just true. so much easier to yeah. leave things as they are. Absolutely. And I suppose a caveat to this this sort of thing is that obviously we're we're not going to be perfect and so reaching a point of perfection is Mm. not the thing that also qualifies you for service god Mm. partners with uh an imperfect people Mm. christ gave himself for Mm. imperfect people Mm. um king david a great example of someone who was a worshiper a musician described as a man after god's own heart but but flawed mm, in a number of ways yeah. uh, made a lot of made a lot of bad decisions yeah uh, wasn't perfect but but what characterized him how did god describe him he's a man after my heart mm. so i suppose that's the thing you're looking for yes um, you're looking for people who are whose life is on a track of pursuing god which is what discipleship is isn't it it's following absolutely so absolutely that's what we want to build here absolutely and you do it so beautifully it's just fantastic meeting your students and just seeing that they're they're called to music but also so much wider as well Mm. um i'm just very conscious sorry i'm we can edit this because i'm aware that ah i think we're still going we're still going um Mm. so anybody listening to this thinking Mm. actually we've got musicians in our church and our youth group but i really want to shift the culture of worship yeah. here away from because i think there's there's i suppose on one hand i'd like to ask you a bit about youth bands because i remember when i was a teenager mm-hmm. getting together with some friends and we made a youth band and that yeah. that kind of desire that's a brilliant thing and often yeah. churches are a great outlet for that so yeah. how what are some practical steps that we can do to take maybe a group of really committed passionate dedicated to their music yeah. finding a real core identity in that how do we help to sort of shape that for them to, to kind of get the call for actually this could be more than simply in the garage playing the songs this yeah, could be directed yeah. towards worship for god what how could we do that yeah it's a great question um and i i benefited from that in Did church you? youth yeah. bands you know, being released to do stuff yeah being able to play when i was when i was really young i i recognized that i i learned so much from yeah. that it's a brilliant thing but it's interesting thinking back to that i was sometimes offered input in terms of developing the practical skill how do you play in a band how do you lead a congregation and those things were really important but actually i never received input about but what is worship what is it really what what's the heart of it what's this song about what are we leading people into why are we playing it this way um what is the what's the vision of the church you know what is your lead what's on your leader's heart and so how as a worship team can you come in and help facilitate that all of this side of things um I was never really taught about I discovered it at a later date and so I think you've got such a great opportunity to bring young people into bands unite them with music and that passion and that love give them opportunities to serve but be planting seeds within that have some training you know think about the song think about what you're playing what the lyrics are it's not just this groove or this chord progression or this guitar sound Mm -hmm. what is this saying why did we choose this song today 
Mm. Um, what does it mean to be a worshipper? You can actually help train young people in those things. Mm. And I, th I believe that that will bring so much more to the experience of them leading a congregation. And that becomes infectious, doesn't it, actually? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. A band that knows why they're there, what they're playing, why they're playing it, and puts their heart into it is, is always going to be so much better than people who are just playing some parts yeah. because it's fun to do so, mm. as fun as that is. And would you, I mean, I'm sat with you and this is just coming out of you because this is who you are, um, but someone listening to this might have this group of young people with mm. so much passion, but they themselves are not particularly musical, they've mm -hmm. not been a worship leader, all the things that you've just communicated that we can do, would you mm. say that, that can be done by any of us who love young people? Do we have to be worship leaders ourselves to be able to help a group of young people do that? I don't think so, because the, the fundamental qualification of, of being a worship leader, if you like, first and foremost is being a worshipper. And if you are a worshipper and you love God, you can help people step into that more. Um, there, are, there are always practical musical things that might be helpful for students to learn and students to understand. Um, but I think any, any youth leader can be encouraging um, kids in their youth group, in their youth bands, to be thinking about those things. And what I would also say, and I, I'm not all churches are set up like this, but there can sometimes be a disconnect from youth and the rest of the church Absolutely. community. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think stepping into something like a youth band really should be a great opportunity for the kids in the church to start getting to know their leaders. Not just their youth pastors, yeah, yeah. but the, the leaders of the church. Um, why, why is the church there? What's it all about? What's the bigger vision? You help bring people into that, and there's more of a sense of ownership and a sense of commitment. And, and I think it can be a great thing um, for young people to, to get yeah. to know their elders, vicars, mm. pastors, mm. whatever term yeah. you may use, um, rather than youth often being like a yes. subset aside oh, yes. side thing. I hate that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, such wisdom. So much <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> That's awesome. If, if anybody listening to this mm -hmm. um, wants to find out more about Nexus, yeah. how can we find out more about you guys? Yeah, well, the website is a great place to start. Um, Nexus-ICA.co.uk. Uh, visit our website. We have open days. We have experience days as well. Which are brilliant oh, because yeah. um, open days happen on Saturdays and you come in and find out more. Or you can join us for an experience day, which they generally happen on Wednesdays. And the college just runs as normal, normal timetable, students doing what they do. So come and join us for the day and actually see what happens day to day. Oh. Well, is that for yeah. people that want to become students? Or could that be for someone that says, actually, I've got a real heart for my young people? Yeah. growing in worship so we could ask for us Absolutely, as well then that's great yeah. so Excellent. i mean it's brilliant when youth pastors yes, come yeah. along because we are we are a great resource yes. for young people yeah not just in this country but in europe and we have people all over the world come and study um we're a unique course so yeah we absolutely want people oh. to know that we're here Amazing. Well, what a, what a wonderful resource. And, and for me and for many others listening to this, this has made music to our ears, quite literally, <laughs> and a new resource. That's so, great. Matt, thank you so much. What are you off to now? You're off to You're do welcome. more. You were doing a lecture on, on film scores, weren't you? Soundtracks yes, when I film arrived. Soundtracks so, this what's happening this afternoon? What are you um, on? This afternoon, um, I don't have any specific lectures this great. afternoon. Fantastic. So, that means I get to 
pursue more relate. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Let's hope there's some time for that. But um, yeah, per- pursuing connections with people like yourselves. And, Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Exciting thing. Matt, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Yusuke Podcast! Great interview, Rachel. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much. Uh, worship, uh, youth worship bands yeah. seem to me to be a great way to give young people sort of tangible um, responsibility. Uh, and so that is something a lot of us as youth leaders mm. will be familiar with, the idea that, you know, we, we ask, what does it really mean to empower young people? Yeah. And, and being in a worship band can be a great way to do that. The flip side of that, of course, is that it's a way of kind of crossing that off, that, you know, ticking that box, mm. essentially, of, um, of giving the young people something mm. to do to make mm. them feel like they're participating. So where do you sit on that particular debate? Do you, do you, have you found giving young people the opportunity to, to play mm. and lead... Um, to be something that's helped them actually in their own growth? Yes and no, I think, which probably is most of us saying the same, aren't we? I think youth bands for youth bands' sake, I'm a little bit dubious about because I think that unless you as a youth worker or somebody in that mix is massively supporting them, I think it can become, unfortunately, like with adults as well, a cliquey subset that are quite self-referential and it's actually about getting the right segue and the right sound and it can be quite difficult for these young people who are leading their peers and that is so hard to actually really do the connecting that we want to lead these people in worship which is very different to performing a gig Um, I have no problem with the worship band gigging I think excellence in music doesn't have to simply be leading in worship it can be we're just going for it um, so where I've seen it work really well is two places. One was Soul Survivor Harrow, so mm. it's a little plant from Soul Survivor. And that was an amazing way of, of growing the young people. So the youth workers at the time really invested in the, in the young people. They weren't just handed the band and told mm. to go on with it. Because let's face it, it becomes always a bunch of boys. Right. Doesn't it? Where are the girls in worship bands often? Um, so that needs managing. Um, but the other place I see it working really well is actually in my own home church where we don't have a youth band. We have four bands and young people are in every single one. Good. And they will co-lead with an adult until... That sounds quite, sorry, um, not lead with an adult until they're good enough, but that sense of actually young people are definitely coached yeah. through yeah. it and they can both be there with the guitars or if I'm doing keys, it's me and the guy with the guitar, a girl with the guitar. So that they're not sort of abandoned. Because I think the idea that y- if... If it's teenagers leading teenagers, it'll automatically work. I don't mm. think, I don't square that in my brain. Mm. Actually, it is a responsibility to lead worship, and young people do need training. Um, and it can be a brilliant way for them to be coached and discipled if there are others around them in the band that see that as an opportunity to connect. Does that answer your question, Martin? It does. does and do you, know, do you know what I, uh, we've touched on there, which yeah. many of our listeners may not be aware of, is that you are a talented worship oh, leader. I play a few notes. Oh, I, I, I dabble. <laughs> I dabble in the I key I strike of the keys, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you are, so So was that part of your kind of story, getting, or is that something no, that you've, it was, you've taken yeah, on later on? Definitely later in life, and I, because I think when I was in church, young people weren't involved in stuff of any kind of leadership. And there definitely didn't exist things in my church, like youth bands, it just didn't mm. happen. So I would be playing the piano for the kids like Sunday school. But when I went to Bible college, that was the first time that anybody gave me any responsibility of leading worship. So yeah, so yeah, so that hasn't mm. been my journey, but I know lots of folks probably it is. But uh, uh, for you, like, have you ever considered bringing, incorporating the music mm. into your, you know, other, well, you know, into your act, yeah. as it were? <laughs> 
Have you thought about maybe doing a speaking and playing? Like Bill Bailey? Oh. Have you ever thought about doing that? The, some of the most favourite youth work I've done, I'm, I'm going to so turn this on you in a minute, Martin. Um, I have not got a musical bone in my body. It's running a community choir, one of the most favourite things oh. I've ever done. And again, it was all ages, adults and teenagers together. And it was really fun. I did that for a few years running and I really, really enjoyed that. And it was with teenagers who are not a part of a church community, They've just come to our work through some of our outreach detached stuff, but they just love music. And somehow, being in a room with lots of ages didn't feel weird for them. It made mm. sense to all be together in a choir. And I wasn't the choir mistress that's like, everything has to be perfect. I would literally be, there's a start note, there's an end note, and I sing your guts out. And, and it was that kind of like, yeah, let's go for it. But outside of the Christian world, mm. it's interesting how, I mean, choirs have always been huge mm. in, within the church, mm. but actually outside now, um, choirs are They're huge, massive, aren't they? Aren't they? And, yeah. and for all ages as yeah, well, sort of community brilliant. choir thing. So maybe you should join one. Perhaps. I had a conversation with my wife the other day where she just, I was singing in the car and she said, um, do, you, do you think you can sing? <laughs> and she just left it. Like oh, that. go encourage me! Yeah, yeah. So my um, my wife's a very good singer. She sings in church. Does she? Our daughter is a precociously good singer, and uh, turns out none of that comes from me. And actually, interestingly, your your lovely wife. I'm going to fight her corner now because actually, I think if she is a great singer and someone next to her is singing the horrendously out of tone, right. that probably is hurting her on some profound level. Okay. Like she's in crisis in that moment. Yeah. So actually, that was a lovely, gracious response of hers. I oh. think. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> I mean, I know nothing about music. This is why I keep saying on you, because when mm. you said something just now, chord segue? Chord C. Chord segue, did you say? <laughs> I said chord C. Oh, segue. Oh, yes. I don't know what that is. I mean, actually, let's face it, the real musician is producer Rachel. Producer let's Rachel. Let's pretend producer that either of us are to her level. Do you know that producer Rachel, who you'll never hear, uh, perhaps on our 100th episode, yeah. you'll hear producer Rachel, uh, but is a uh, accomplished bassoonist. Yeah, and she plays in massive bands in central London, doesn't she? Yeah, has played the Royal Albert Hall several yeah, times. Several she times. nods, but she makes no sound. She makes no sound. <laughs> Is that what bassoon That's not like? the sound of a bassoon. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could bring your bassoon one week. I'm, I'm desperate to make her talk. No, it's not working, is she it? She won't do it. But it is interesting, and I think that that is a challenge for us as, as youth workers, particularly those of us who feel... I, haven't, I can't pick up a guitar, I can't lead worship, but we've got a group of seven or eight teenagers and we really want to engage them in worship. Often we do find a young person in that mix who can play a few chords. And I think that is brilliant. Yeah. But I would say the challenge to us, even if we are not musical, which Matt said is, don't let your not being musical mean that you just literally hand it over to them and then step mm, right back. Mm. Like They've got the chords, they know the music side, but what they need from you is understanding worship how do well, i lead this group well you know what's interesting like, yeah. there is if we may mention the Megan great Fox. man's name oh, no, we're not there yet oh, we're not there yet uh if we uh, if we mention the great man mike pilavachi oh yes the yes. huge hand he has played yes in the the sort of growing of great worship leaders yes tim hughes matt redman ben cantalon beth, beth croft, croft. Yeah. Uh, and others. Yes. Um, he's been hugely involved yes. in all of those stories. And tone deaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it turns out can't mm. sing. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. The mm. man cannot sing a note. <laughs> and uh, and yet he continues to yeah. every year. Yeah. But um, but what's interesting about him is that he um, you know he didn't just mentor them character wise. He actually was mentoring them mm. in the music, mm -hmm. in the worship leading, mm -hmm. as a non musician, which mm. I find fascinating and backs up what Matt said. Mm. Because he's he's. Mike is able to say, is this group, these people in front of you, lovely worship leader, 
is what you're doing helping them with connect with God? Or is it actually, are they just viewing what you're doing as a performance? And I think that's, and that is tough for young people, isn't it? Because I think performing anything in front of your peers, you're open to ridicule and rejection mm. and getting wrong. So for a young person to be willing to do any of this, it's like majorly brave and courageous, mm. isn't it? Let alone then we want to give feedback. And But I think what an opportunity is to disciple this person. Yeah. And could there be someone else in your church who is a musician that could come in now and, and disciple them as well? It's a great opportunity, isn't it, for seeing across the wider church a bit of mentoring interesting conversation Rachel thank you so I'm, I'm sure that's all we have time for <laughs> okay no Megan 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 I want this story do we do we if we have like a a weak disposition do we need to tune out now it's not so I told this story at a church recently I didn't I, have to, I vowed not to tell it and sort of enough time has passed and and like Daniel Beddingfield Megan Fox is not entirely in the public eye anymore Oh, and so I feel like I can now tell it without sounding like a plonker. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I told it recently in a church and, and half the people laughed and thought it was a great story. And about half the people looked seriously disappointed in me as a human being. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a quite judgmental moment. Right. I'm going to get another cup of tea. I'm going to settle in. Okay. And this could be the end of a lovely podcast so, season. So, <laughs> so here is the Megan Fox anecdote. So there's no way to start this without without sounding like a bit of an idiot. But I was at one time an up and coming Hollywood screenwriter, and uh, and those days are firmly behind me now. But I had an agent, and he took me to the wrap party for Transformers. So what that is is they'd finished filming the original Transformers movie, so that can tell you how long ago it was. And um, and they they had a party for the cast and crew, and they screened little bits of it, I think. And um, and they had. Uh, a gathering of the rich and famous, and then a free bar, and a amazing free buffet. I mean, extraordinary mm. free buffet, which I'll get onto in some detail. So, um, so at the party, um, I got to meet various famous people. And here's the sad truth of Hollywood: every time I was introduced to a new person, you know, um, I will name some of them. Sheila yeah. Booth Ooh, wow. was there. Um, Megan Fox. Uh, Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas, oh, who I think wow. was dating one of the cast, and all these people. As I was as I was introduced to each of these people, within about five seconds of finding out that I was emerging, unproduced British mm. screenwriter Martin Saunders, um, they had excused themselves from that conversation. And so, I, and it wasn't, you know, to be fair, I didn't actually meet some of those people face to face, but but more minor members of the crew and so on. I was introduced, and then they weren't interested once they found out who I was. Now I felt quite glum at this point, yeah. and eventually drifted further and further away from the main party towards the buffet, which, because it was Hollywood... Nobody was at. Nobody was touched. I would have had a chair at the buffet. <laughs> I, well, I did. I just sat down. Oh, I sat down. By the prawns. I did. Ne- next to... I'll tell you what they were. Miniature fillet steak. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, miniature fillet steaks. So I ate a lot of those. Oh, good. And then slider burgers, you know, oh, little slider burgers... And other, I, I, just lots of things. I ate more than a man should, but yeah, I ate my feelings. Weight. I'll be honest. Yeah, your I ate my feelings. It was a very sad moment. And so um, I then I had a couple of drinks. Yeah. I, I watched famous people walk past and thought yeah. it was very exciting. Um, and then I had I had a, a moment, an awakening, a realization that everything that had come into my body now needed to leave it quickly. And um, and it had probably 
you know, a couple of hours had passed, um, and now everything else needed to. So, um, so I went very quickly to find the bathrooms. Oh no! Please I'll tell t- me you found it. I'll tell you right now, this is a poo story. Okay? Oh dear! I, I should have warned you that earlier. Oh. So I, um, I, <laughs> I went to the uh, bathroom, which was. A unisex bathroom. Oh, no. California was way ahead of itself. Celebrities do not poo, can I tell you That's that? right. They don't. They oh. don't. Uh, but I do. And so I, I, I went into the, um, the the toilets. And let me explain how the toilets were laid out. So it was three cubicles. Yeah. I remember it, funnily enough, very absolutely viscerally. Uh, there's three cubicles. And then there's one very narrow passageway which leads you into... The area with the three cubicles. So to get in and out of the toilet, you had to pass through. It's ve- it was like you know one of those medical like chemical bottles that have like a narrow neck and then oh, a, right, yes. you know and then okay. a wide bottom. Okay. Um, which others have said about me in the past. <laughs> okay. All right. um, but uh, but it was like that, yeah. and so I went in, and you know I, I'm not let's not be graphic, but I emptied myself of all but love, and then um, I came out again. And as, as I was just washing my hands and so on, I realised that the, the very natural act of evacuating my bowels, yes. let's, call it, let's call it what it is, um, had created quite a, a, a sort of pungent smell. That's it. And not, that's not something you'd associate with me. No, it's as not. My, as my children often tell me, I, it's, I'm, I may be a lot of things, but I'm not a dad who farts. <laughs> and so, you know, there was a really horrible oh. smell. And I thought, I've got to get out of here as quickly as yeah. possible. But can I just stop the... Was it bad that people would have known what it was? Or was it at such an extensive level you could have kind of pleaded, like, toxic waste? Yeah, I think probably, like, you oh, could I could have said, have said oh, oh, there's... Goodness, the drains. There's a problem with the drains like, here or something like, like this. Chemical stuff. Do you know, producer Rachel uh, yeah. looks actually disgusted. Yeah, well, I just think you just need to have that arse in your arse. So, <laughs> in my what, sorry? So, uh, so... so hey, sorry, carry on. So I wash my hands. Uh, let me just tell you right now. Yeah, the word you were looking for was Arsenal. <laughs> it was Arsenal. I just giggled at the end of the word. Anyway, yes. I, uh, I washed my hands yes. thoroughly with yes. soap. good. Okay. And then I exited or attempted to exit. The very narrow bit. The very narrow oh. corridor. At the exact moment that oh. somebody else was coming the other way. And she and I became almost wedged in the passageway. Because I was trying to escape at speed. And she obviously needed a tinkle. And that lady was Megan Fox, the renowned actress and pinup. And what happened was, Megan Fox smiled at me, and in the act of smiling and opening her mouth, she inhaled. Oh no! And literally, (coughs) literally retched. Megan Fox retched. Looked in my face. She she looked at me, she smiled, then she retched. And then we had to sort of awkwardly shuffle past. It wasn't over. We still had to get no. past each other. She was still going in. We had to awkwardly shuffle past each other. And then I left and I immediately called a cab. Did you? And that's Did you have the, any more buffet? That is, I just maybe took a little bag to take home. And that is the Megan Fox anecdote. Oh, I mean, but that's pretty brilliant, isn't it? I mean, as, as anecdotes go... That is brilliant, but you left a mark. You went to that event wanting to leave a mark. No, no, come on, don't go there. Don't go there. Being memorable. I think we should do a UK-wide cheer for that and friends in Princeton who poor, poor people have had so much. She's one of their celebrities. Well, not anymore, but I feel like people hear that story and as I start to say, oh, I was at a Hollywood party with loads of celebrities, oh, shut up, By the end, they're cheering. Yes. By the the end of it, I'm so glad that happened to you. Well, we are glad that happened to you because that's a very funny story and I do apologise for my 
uh, word partway through, which was going to be Arsenal, but kind of stopped. Partway I think through. we got it. Right, I hope we've all recovered from that story, Martin. Can I just can I just ask though, off air, like, what did that bring to this podcast? Did uh, it bring anything? Sunshine. I think it probably did. Okay, back on air. So uh, we hope that story really blessed you, uh, people. But what we're going to do at this point in our podcast is we tend to kind of just pass around the um, collection bucket at this point. No, joke. Uh, we do some shout outs, don't we? Let's do oh, some yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Lauren Cheshire, we Hello, think Lauren. you're awesome. Hello, Lauren. Um, I probably should try and get in contact with you, not just talk to you via podcast, because we do want to interview you. Also, Isle of Man. Our yes. friends on the Isle of Man. On the Isle of Man. Who are doing fantastic stuff there with the Scripture Union House. Um, and last but not least, Princeton University. Princeton. Yeah, all of Princeton. The whole shebang. The whole university now. It was just theological seminary before, but now you've, you've widened it. I want to put Len Kegler back on the list for the very specific reason that I saw a photo of him recently dressed as a Scottish man, and it just made me so happy. You just put Len back on the list. Well, I want to put him back on the list. On, I just want to mention him. We love Len. Because it was just hilarious. So, uh, all and all of you dear folks, we want to kind of give a big cheer to you for listening to this for and putting up with our with that. Oh my goodness. Um, also, if you are interested, we have a Patreon account which gives you exclusive extras. Oof. I believe you would have heard the Megan Fox anecdote a full Be- day or so because earlier. Because the extras are pre-extras, aren't they? They're, they're previous. They're prextras. They're prextras. So it's not additional stuff to what you have here, but you get it early. That's right. You get it early. If you can't course. wait. That's right. Brilliant. I, I get very excited on Monday morning actually tuning into the podcast. I know you guys do too. It's very exciting. So our Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash youthscape. Uh, and you can support us to the tune of about 70 pence a month. Yeah. Uh, it's a dollar a month. Uh, and if you would like to support us and support the work of Youthscape, that is a wonderful way to do so. Um, please do that. Brilliant. So, friends, have an amazing day. Whatever galaxy or country you're in, whatever era or year this is, I hope this day has been really helpful for you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.